0: <laughs> so I don't know what company law is in India. So what? When your uncle hears about it, it is it is valid. It is what like this is? It, the, this is what they are. This is what exactly what I'm saying. They must fight a lot. They must fight a lot, really. Anyway, um, so Arabs Arab do the same, but I think. Yeah, they do the same entirely. And then for them, it is even worse. Some families don't allow women to participate in the in the business. The ladies have to stay home and cook for the men who have been at work. It is bad who doesn't want to make his own money. I think these guys don't get the urge of making their own money because apparently they have never made their own money. (laughs) But you people, when you make your own Mm -hmm. money. And test it and test how good it is. You never want to go back to being under someone, really. Or having someone bring your money to you. Anyway, come on, you know. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this, this system screams business failure to me. All the way through. A in, in family spating and then you make this one decision without consulting them you started the business you raised the capital but you make this one decision without consulting them my god why did you sell that company why did you sell that product to those guys that we literally don't like that family that is the nma oh my god it must be a lot i don't know i'm not sure maybe this is like the ugly version of this whole system maybe there is like the good version except it's a bad system when the bad side supersedes the good side yeah according to me there is a lot of pros is it pros or cons now there are like a lot of cons in this business in this business model Than there are cons ah, pros and cons what the fuck what is happening anyway some other methods <laughs> I just thought pros are good things and then cons are bad. Okay. There are like a lot of pros. Oh no. <laughs> I just can't get this right. Okay. Hey, I think when they thought that, I wasn't really available. I've always been available. It depends, available to what. Anyway, some other methods, of course. In uh... Now, these, these other methods are like hard, they're, they're like present in hard life countries. Like, where there is, like, due distrust to, you know, maybe there is, like, a hard government, like, an autocratic government, and then maybe a dictatorship, and then maybe, like, the entire public conscience is unclear on what they want or how they want to do what they want. So, where there is, like, always a smell of distrust, you know, this, you know, like, unfaithfulness lingering around work. So especially in like third world countries, like those underdeveloped countries in like Latin America and, and Europe and then as well as you know some some others is like in like sub Saharan Africa. There's like a kind of autocratic spread of power, you know? Because there is like high rates of unemployment and then so like the bosses won't think twice before firing you. You know, when there's, like, massive unemployment in a country, usually businesses do not tend to hold too long on employees who are annoying. So you do want this this one mistake. Even a mistake that, you know, a mistake for which you wouldn't have got fired from work, but you're fired, you know? So there's, like, always that thing. And then, you know, there is... So there's, like... The boss is like in sense in a sense the boss is like the boss. You know how sometimes the boss is not the boss? But this is one of the cases where the boss is the boss. He's actually saying you're fired and he doesn't need to question to be questioned or he doesn't need to answer to anyone. Yeah. So uh this kind of system usually also applies in in, you know, such and then I didn't have regions that of course regions I want to mention for I've seen people people say a lot of stuff when their podcasts have not gone you know like globally you know right. accessible viral and then when they finally do people are actually now listening to what used to happen and then These things, some of the things they said are actually coming back to them. They're like haunting them now. Imagine you said a particular country relies on a particular concept and it's not good. And then years later, people in this country, maybe the government, or maybe you're a big person, or maybe you're influential in some way or the other. And then some of these things start biting you again like someone pulls it out and like one of your episodes and once something is online it can never go off just know if you take it off someone else had already saved it right so i saw how andrew tate recently he was like apologizing for things he said eight ten years back when he was just starting out on his social media stuff like development and then on his podcasts also there were things he was speaking about women and then he recently came out and agreed that well some of these things I said were not true and I own you know how you are not minding because you have a small audience yeah but you don't mind because I mean it's like almost a joke right So maybe he mentioned that maybe it is not good to have women, maybe in a family or in marriage, to have a woman have that much power. You should make the decisions for her. And then by then it was okay because he was a small guy, right? This is just a small guy. He could have been even joking. But then, now, he's the most influential person on the planet. You have to account for whatever you said. And then people bring this stuff out. And then they cringe you. They start haunting you. You, sleep, you have sleepless nights because of the things you say in 20. We have different views of life. 20. We have, we do. But you would agree the way you would express yourself on a national television is not the way the president would express himself on a national television. Because, I mean, no one is going to take... God forbid, right? You're going to be an influential person. But... I think so. I hope so, actually. But the things you would be saying right now would not be taken too serious as they would if you were the Prime Minister. Yeah, so that is it. And so, you know, I won't say it, but I heard that in some regions, um, it's the, the, some companies entrust foreigners to like lead them because some parts of the countries some parts of some some countries that I'm not going to mention Mm -hmm. that because having a foreign leader is like one way of proving well this is a foreign company only only like this is um, this is like a, a, a good company owned by foreigners so it must be good and then the government because they would rather deal with a foreigner maybe an american than deal with a pharaoh annoying ugandan maybe who, be, who probably doesn't have money right mm. yeah so some countries some some businesses actually do that i don't know about that kind of leadership skill or about that kind it of really leadership work. method does it really work good question but like i said Maybe the people who applied at the end of the day think that it's the only option they have. I mean, by the time you start to register someone else as the leader of your company, when you started this company, when this person wasn't even there, you must be feeling that, the, the, like the hate in your seat. You must be so frustrated. Like, you must be so sure that the government or the policies won't support you in any way. If you are like the CEO, maybe or the managing director, or something like that, you can say it. Oh, but come on, I think this is beyond trust, really. Princess. Ah, okay, that is one way to think about it. But there is also another way to think about it. Would you agree that in most dictatorships, in most autocratic governments, governments and government organizations would rather deal with a foreign investor than a local investor? Imagine the reputation that I'm going to use names I'm tired of really hiding. It's not, I mean, it's not bad, right? It's not like I'm going to say this person killed another person or something like that imagine the reputation that Madivani has with the government of Uganda. If there was a similar person with the same amount of assets and money but a Ugandan, which of the two people do you think would be considered for maybe a project a road project? If these two people owned a foreign a, a construction company, which of the two do you think would be would be like so you see? At the back of the government's mind, or at least these organizations' mind, the foreigner somehow, some has some money kept. Even if this project goes south, he can still put it, pull it through. But then this is like Beautiful. it is false at some point. Well, while these guys have money, true, but sometimes they are just as poor as we are. Let's own it. Some Ugandans have more money than this guy mm-hmm. but then that's a problem because those ugandans who have more money are in the government anyway so we were just saying yeah. because i mean if there is one thing that an, an, an autocratic government or maybe an autocratic leadership style values most its foreign investment these guys want allies true i'm not saying uganda is an autocratic government but <laughs> recently but recently our president refused to sign for what mm-hmm. reason i don't know he refused to sign the anti-homosexuality bill. now i think the parliament is going to pass it without his consent True. but if you think about it from the political kind of view it appears as though he did not want to appear to disagree with the rest of the world. That way he would lose the investment. But if the parliament passes it, he would still get he, what, what he wants and he would still have the investors from out. Yeah, so that is how much allies mean and that is how much foreign investment mean in, may, in many countries, actually, many African countries and many, of course, developing countries outside Africa so you know um but usually businesses also apply some some other principles like the are instances where it doesn't have to be fallen for like this person is like coming from outside the country but the are is where this person is like maybe from another different cultural background maybe another tribe and then you you're likely to listen more to a leader who doesn't who isn't maybe of your tribe hmm? Then you are going to listen to a leader who is from your Uh, at some point. There is that level of familiarity. This person was born from here, he literally speaks my language. I know that's always there. See, that's bad. That is bad. Mm -hmm. So, I think this system is also good at some point. (laughs) Start your business, get a (laughs) (laughs) Sudanese. (laughs) <laughs> no way make him the managing director you'll see how competent these young employees will be be like eh sudanese will kill you start your company in western uganda Employee princess she's the ceo she's from western uganda she's studying in western uganda <laughs> oh you're sudanese but you aren't as black as sudanese you you're <laughs> that, this that. but anyway okay you relate it with this Mm -hmm. relate this principle relate this kind of leadership style with what is happening maybe at BSU Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who is our chancellor? ah okay interim, what is his tribe? now let's relate it with maybe Cavendish Cavendish University has had Cavendish University has had Johnson Goodluck Mm -hmm. as their chancellor for the previous I think 5 years, I don't know 5 years now, imagine the air at Cavendish with the former president of Nigeria, your chancellor. And then imagine some guy from Western Uganda, actually some guy from the same district, hmm? the chancellor of a university he probably studied in, the air around that campus. Now, the feeling of leadership around Cavendish is so different from that at BSU. It cannot be the same. Really, at the core, we are dealing with a group, a bunch of lecturers who will be like familiar with the, with the Chancellor. But then imagine you are a lecturer at Cavendish. You literally have never seen Johnson Goodluck. It is probably your first time. He's probably your role model. It is probably your first time seeing him in office. He gives you a job the competence you would show. You want to be you want him to be proud of you. Be like your God. Be like your God. You know, right? But then you studied from this side. You are a professor now. But then the Chancellor, eh? Also started from this side. Also started from the same purpose. You speak the same language. Know eh? where he stays or where she stays around town. Sometimes he takes you in his car. No, sometimes when you're out, you find him there. Mm -hmm. Imagine that kind of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. I think the air really feels different sometimes. Agreeably, there is a certain level of incompetence that that is going to be lingering around the campus, around a structure you're trying to put up, maybe a business or something like that. Well, and it has devastating outcomes, by the way. In, in some instances. Leadership is like based on merit and, you know, rather than what tribe, what country is he from, how tall, how related is he with the boss, stuff like that. Sometimes they are not that. Sometimes uh, it's just merit and competence and your achievement that is that is with you. And some bosses and managers of course, they are vigorous. Some are vigorous, some are decisive, some are you know, like democratic like we have already talked about, and then some have, you know, power. They conform with the Confucian hierarchy, like we have already talked about it. And then some have little involvement in, you know, the everyday affairs of the company. And then some aim of course to like promote the business through official channels. And then some aim to create like levels of administration in a company or maybe in a business. And then some end up founding successes of the business from the, from like bureaucracy and apathy. Some actually would rather have bureaucracy. Would rather have, though I also don't disagree, don't agree with this. Some would rather have a file pass through eight offices for scrutiny before it gets to the person who is supposed to sign it. I don't think this is a good thing it's it's good but in most cases it's a bad thing i think it is uh, well it's believed that it is the exact same type. actually this is the exact same type of leadership that applied in the early days of ford when it was like growing as a company it's grown now to of course inconceivable heights it's general motors it's like a global car manufacturing giant but the notion had changed in the late 30s you just have to cut the bureaucracy you can't allow a file to go through seven offices for scrutiny and a single signature. You can't allow that to happen. Well, that's exceptional inspection, really. If you think about it, that is good inspection. That is good scanning for scanning, scanning the workers. But that's unnecessary. And it drastically slows down work rate and performance. I think the only field in which bureaucracy works well is in drugs and arms dealing. <laughs> because because in these fields while it is important to make profits fast it is also more important to hide and secure your ass as as the boss <laughs> there has to be a long chain of command that hides and you know buries you right right there at the top otherwise if the business is legal i honestly don't see the need to you know make long chains of command anyway Like I said, it depends on the kind of leadership style that you're choosing. Or like you didn't find yourself or what you feel is right for your company. Anyway, some other leaders want to sit like in the ring with the, you know, with the mates, with the workers. Some exercise control from a position just outside the, just outside and like above the ring. Like right above, you know, like middle managers who are allowed to make maybe day-to-day decisions. Some charismatic It just depends, really. While other bosses are like very much in the center of things, and then, and staff they're enjoying with staff, and then everyone in the company has access to the boss. And most of the time, he's like right there at the company. It's believed actually that China, in China, the consensus is generally high valued, and in companies controlled by like the state, the, the the leadership group will decide the working policies the companies, you know, most companies of course in China are, are like state owned, not most, but most of the biggest. And then in European societies, the leadership needs to attach importance to achievement and of course the, die, the dynamics of the company and maybe you know, when you look at the leadership then the general belief is that British managers are diplomatic they are casual, they are helpful willing to compromise they are you know like the they are fair or at least they seek to be fair although they can be hard when necessary and american managers are like assertive general generally you know like goal and action oriented they're like optimistic and confident you know all these good things and then they're like ready for change and then ugandan managers like we have already talked about they're like ruthless and vigorous and ecocentric and they act like they are the ceos or at least they were offered the ceo role but turned it down you know well that's a lie about Ugandan managers but it's also very true additionally many african societies based leadership on clans and lineages you know it has its pros and cons also also it has its pros but it also has its you know like failures and this type of leadership of course still exists in some local. but modernity has taken a leap and grasp on like you know some businesses in africa many businesses have now changed you know what is mostly applied in the west is also applied here now currently but some leaders of course are still influenced by the you know old method so they're like very individualistic and us at work is like end by achievement and energy you know the energy you put in is the success you're bringing to the company so that's the achievement you will get success is like pretty much still dependent on like you know like physical rather than mental contribution to the company or maybe to the organization and i think that's also a very terrible method you know especially now that work is becoming increasingly less physical with uh you know technology and ai Mm. Well, speaking of AI like categories of jobs which are great the edge. categories, jobs which are like in the banking and finance sectors and then retails and sales and then, you know, transports and logistics and, and that stuff you know, tech jobs then customer service jobs education and then training jobs journalism and then writing and many more That all these jobs are like threatened to the poor. Well, on the flip side, this means that think about it. Now bankers can finally relax and enjoy their savings and bonuses without having to do any work. They don't have to work. Ah, those work all day long, all week through. They deserve a break, right? And tech nerds with AI writing codes for you. It means your bosses don't even need you anymore. You can like also enjoy and you can like sit in your coaches and enjoy violence on Twitter at the comfort of your jobless assets. Anyway, that we'll see. We'll see how AI takes this Basically, there's like this whole scale of people who like resort watching TikTok all day and all night. Like teachers, like journalists, like content editors, like book book auditors economic economists and then artists and then songwriters and drivers and engineers and you know machine operators and writers oh god lovely lovely writers but i think but i think writers shall evolve writers must evolve hmm? we must evolve and take this on this is just a test right this is only a test AI seems to be headed in a direction of, uh, you know, replacing much of the work that require, you know, like basic human intelligence, like accounting, like leging, stuff like that. At most things, of course, which it's going to, it's going to like replace things which require basic reasoning and basic problem solving tactics that's why it will be hard to integrate and in fact it has been very hard to integrate AI with like the the law because at the core AI will not perform legal reasoning which is like the fundamental element of the law that's that's like founded on like feelings and then human conscience so you cannot have a computer do that so AI fundamentally is going to change like these things which like do not need critical thinking so I was telling you that's why it's like hard in to incorporate it with the, with the law and maybe some other fields. You know, we talked about music and songwriting, but while AI can like write a song, it, it can't really, you know, sing. AI can't sing because that requires emotional involvement. And so far, computers don't have emotions. So... so. You know, it's just so hard to incorporate it in fields which require critical thinking, and then, of course, also require, you know, critically risked outputs. It is also hard to like apply it, like we have already said, in music. AI can't evoke feelings because part of evoking feelings in someone is like, for example, in like a book or a story, it involves the reader relating to what the writer must be Feeling or must have been feeling when writing the story, and that can't happen with AI because a reader knows that this story is like completely made up by AI, even when the reader knows that this story is completely made up by someone else. At least they you know it's, it's a person, he must have been thinking about what he's writing, he just narrated maybe it in a different, you know, like version of story. So, ideally, maybe for example. Even if my story and AI's story are like conceptually and grammatically similar, even with all the words similar, a reader will still find my story more appealing and relatable than that of the AI. Because I guess what I'm trying to say is we still have a long way to see AI completely revolutionize work and the work ethic. we basically talked about in this in this episode at least not until it becomes sentient and that that hasn't happened yet still we have to watch out you have to make sure that you earn that that you learn some you know some other skills related to your work as possible because at some point the best way to outcompete ai will be to like proving that it will be proving an additional skill on top of the skill for which you are, like, getting employed. Because one thing is, in most cases, AI and these algorithms are, like, task-oriented. Like, you find its code is completely designed to perform one specific task. in its functionality. In its entire functionality. So if you can, like, offer some kind of an auxiliary skill on top of that other skill that they are employing you for, I think you'll be like good to go, like you'll be a step ahead of the AI, of the computer that will be looking directly at work. Anyway, leadership core is something crucial for like individual growth. And it's something you can work on and boost really. You can begin now and assess your strengths and, you know, like weaknesses. You identify and understand your personality traits and then your preferences and then your values and, you know, what motivates, what motivates you, the things that motivate you on a daily basis. Also, you can, like, start recording insights on how you, like, interact with others and, you know, how you handle stress, how you, like, make decisions and then the decisions you make under pressure, how they look like or how they turn out. And then you can also, if you yourself, you can, you know, like, ask feedback from people who, like, know you well, You know, like your colleagues, managers or mentors, if you have one, Um, friends and even family members. Usually these are people who like hold an opinion about you that you do not know about yourself. These opinions, of course, these opinions can give you like an insight on some of the things you do well as a leader or give you some clues on some, you know, on some of the areas about you that you need to work on and improve. You know, interacting with these people also gives you like a clue of how your daily actions, you know, affect the people around you and whatever that is good in a way that you should keep it or like otherwise you should dump it. So you can really work on, you know, like how you can you can start working on how you handle your maybe challenges or your conflicts and how you maybe adopt to changing situations. You can learn from others as well. You can like learn from other leaders, you know, you know, like people who inspire you. Once you're done with that, done with all that, checking yourself and testing your limits and testing who you are, you can finally exper- experiment on like different styles. If you still can't figure out the road to take, you know, you can just experiment on different styles. You can, like, read through, manya, listen through this whole podcast and then get these particular styles that we were outlining, that we were talking about. You try out different approaches and see what works best for you and your situation. You set principles, No, My colleagues know this best, I think, because somehow I have, I have people in my circle who are, who have like attribute to certain principles and and adhere to these principles no matter what it can be some it can be something really small you know you can begin by ruling out these small unproductive things that stress you so much and then you can replace them with things which are like transformational maybe which are like also transactional you know things which actually put something on you and then but embedding a principle isn't a good thing isn't an easy thing i must warn you because it means you're swearing to adhere to a principle even if you like very much the things you should have done instead of it you know the things we have already said are not transformational and are not transactional so then you test that principle and then you see whether it's aligning with your goals and motives and if it does that you keep it then you can reflect on the results and you know you can just be call quality life <laughs> you wait and hope leadership and the skills as you know you have put up will like come to be tested shortly later this will be like in business maybe or in handling, or in handling power or stress or maybe you'll apply it in family and marriage and many more but somehow it will be applicable and somehow it will help you because all these are really an effort to make yourself a better person really like work on the really tiny things that are like building you and then see your future to like a good start by following some of these concepts of course guaranteed you want to be a good leader immediately but you can sure as hell be that you can sure as hell know that you will know how to behave when the kind and benevolent version of you is needed or should we say when the autocratic beast in you is needed you will know when to apply it and sure hell you'll be you'll be a great leader when it does when it does happen of course i think it all goes back to to like gaining a better understanding of yourself and your style of command and action when you have power you you, mm. of course now don't get me wrong we aren't even talking about political or governmental partisan or drug lord servants kind of power here well partly we are but mainly we are talking about usual really small tiny bits of a, of a commanding perspective ones you not even notice are happening like when you're buying a product from a vendor you have power the language and conduct You use towards the seller can like tell you a lot about what kind of leader you are and when you're requesting or ushering or demanding a service from someone or maybe from like a hotel waitress maybe or a waiter or whichever person is who is like held in this position to listen to you how you act or behave with that person can be like a starting point in identifying yourself and your leadership style the one the one that you know that that will be helping you throughout your life it is good to identify yourself when you're still young and when you're still fresh when you can still change things about yourself because it is not good when it's late um, to like uh, start implementing some stuff in your life you have already committed a lot of mistakes sometimes you can't even go back on the things you have already said we have also already talked about that when you say things in your youth that you cannot change when you're already old but you wish you had not said those things you know all that isn't good behavior but when you identify yourself and you know your 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 capacities, your weaknesses, when you're still when you're still young, when you're still fresh in like 20s or 30s or maybe 40s, even 40s isn't too late, or maybe even late, you know 19, 18, 17, 16. That's that's a good that's a good way to start. You know, you can do all that when you're still that you know like that fresh. So the language and the conduct you use towards these people you associate with every day, the kind of show you what kind of a leader you are or when you're like requesting like for services from these people it kind of is good to like start from there to know about yourself now when and how all this of course will apply or help you i don't know it honestly depends on a lot of factors for instance do you like plan on working for someone else for the rest of your life or are you that kind that's you know either kind that's like comfortable getting like orders from bosses and focusing on your work that's a completely different road in fact if you are the latter this whole episode must have sounded like a little too much for you at some point dog shit I don't know or really a crappy collection of like nonsense on like maybe imaginative or wishful thinking I don't know what must be going through your head but don't get me wrong I'm not saying working for someone is bad is a terrible thing 90% of the entire world of the entire working class in the world is is employed by someone, somewhere but if you're a hard rock you're the ambitious motherfucker shitload that wants to eat from the big table if you want to belong in the 10% that employs the 90% if you want to be identified by the companies you have like started and the ideas you have put in motion and existence and not by which company you're employed under if you want to like have that if you want to you know have all your wishful financial desires fulfilled then you sure as hell know how important leadership and identifying your leadership style is and you know what it means for your goals and career as well now generally what style my own readership. well to be honest i don't i don't think i'm completely sure yet i'm still nurturing and growing my style but so far that is all i had for you guys uh i'll leave you with some clip by um by Stephen bartlett found it online anyway that's all i had for you uh i guess i will catch you on the next on the next one adios
1: The where it matters most, your invisible PR shows up. And what I mean by that is, as CEO, when we were thinking about who to make the managing director or who to make the manager or who we can trust to lead New York City or another country around the world, in that moment, it's like the small, tiny things that appeared in those conversations about how someone had behaved, how they're active, that made all the difference. And those people will never know. They'll never know that Jenny, when I was in New York City getting a text message saying she'd run to the shops because Tom had fallen over and she'd gotten the plaster, was one of the reasons she got promotion three years later. And it's like, it's invisible reputation. You don't know you're building it, but you're building it on every single touch point you have with every single person. I'll tell you an example where someone's invisible PR really didn't work, work for them. I'm in New York City again on a plane. I see that guy from Man vs. Food I'm thinking about this equipment. I see the guy from Man Vs Food. At the time, like I said, we're running the biggest food channel in the world called Love Food at the time. We're doing you know, millions of views on this channel. And so I messaged the food team and I messaged my wider team on, on, our, on our chat. And they go, oh my God, that Man Vs Food guy sat in front of me on the plane. And in our company, we've always had this tradition. Let's not go into it now. But when you start, we ask you what your favorite sandwich is. Long story. So my team, like 400 people in this group, go and ask him you what your favorite sandwich is. So I pop up by stuff, and I get around to i i walk over to him, and go, watch not now! Not now! I go, walk back to my seat and I sit and I slump, and I'm trying to get as low as I can in my seat. And what do I have to do? I have to tell 400 people how he behaved. So I message a group by saying that he was really in a diagnosis, so I got sorry, guys. I could not even want And then, I start a podcast. I recount this story one day on the podcast. The podcast gets very big. He finds out. A lot of people start telling him. And he told me one day, I'm apologizing for that. I used it in an example
0: you never know. You never know what, what interaction. Jenny, who ran to the super drug to get his of a,
1: a plaster when he fell over in the office, when I was 5,000 miles away in New York City, she had no idea I got a text about that. She had no idea that fact to got it back away. Every single person here, including myself, has an invisible representation of working for or against you from really a smooth to make. you.